welcome to Unleash Your Creative Magic. It's absolutely amazing to have you here. I'm your host, Helen Pfeiffer, a published writer of 17 crime novels, both traditionally and indie published. And I'm here to talk to you about the magic of writing, unleashing your creativity, and how to set yourself free from being stuck inside the writer's closet. I'd like to share my journey with you from that initial idea for a book to where I am now and all the very messy stuff in between, the highs, the lows, and the fuck me, this is impossible moments. I hope that somewhere along the way, this podcast might be of some use to you. You might even find some inspiration lurking in here. So grab yourself a coffee and come and join me on the writer's couch as we dive right into living your best creative life. Welcome back to Unleash Your Creative Magic. This week I'm going to be talking about what you can do to make your story stand out to your readers. Let's talk about your story's hook and how to engage your readers from the very beginning. No, not an actual hook like a hook a duck hook. We're talking about a fictional one and it is one of the most important ways to draw your reader into your story and to keep them reading. I'm ecstatic to tell you that I've reached the halfway point of my book and it's finally beginning to come together and flow much better even if I do say so myself which just proves that no matter how hard you think it is or how stuck you are, and I said from the very beginning there are lots of fuck me, this is way too hard moments when you're trying to write anything really and not just novels, that if you persevere you will get there. And this is kind of the way I'm feeling now. I've gone from, oh my God, what have I done, to actually, this is working and I quite like it. So it's a big fuck yeah to being stubborn and not giving in despite wanting to. I knew from the beginning of starting this podcast that I wanted to keep it real. I could talk about all the lovely, wonderful, flowy bits about writing and tell you that it's really easy. But come on, we all know that everything has its ups and downs. There are good bits and there are pretty horrific bits of every project that we take on. Thankfully, the good bits are the ones that make us want to keep going and we can push the crappy bits to the back of our minds. It's a bit like childbirth, really. I went through it five times and every single time I literally forgot all about how bad the excruciating pain was until I was back in the labour ward wearing a hospital gown and clinging onto the side of the ceramic sink unit trying to breathe through another contraction and asking myself what the hell was I thinking? How could I forget how much this hurt? Not that I wouldn't go through it again. Well, at my age I definitely wouldn't but all that pain did lead to the most wonderful bundles of joy at the end. Am I putting you off writing and childbirth? God, I hope not. Anyway, so what does make a good hook? A good title can be a hook in itself. And I used to ask myself that all the time. Look at some of your favourite books. What are their titles? And what was it about them that made you pick it up or click on it? Some writers open a book with the reader being immersed smack bang in the middle of the action. And this works really well. And as harsh as this sounds, the reality is that your opening lines, our first few chapters, need to be interesting enough to convince your reader to click the Buy It Now link or to take the book to the cashier to pay for it. If you don't start with an action-packed first few lines, then there's always the emotions to play on. You can engage your reader by making them feel empathy, anger, shock, horror, frustration or sympathy for your characters, which is exactly how, and I know I've mentioned this several times up to now, but it, It's how the wonderful Where the Crawdad Sing starts. We are drawn into Kaya's world and what she is feeling as her ma walks out on the six-year-old child. 
What reader isn't going to feel their heartstrings tug at this kid's home life and situation? Immediately I was left rooting for this little girl and it made me keep turning the pages because I needed to know she was going to be okay. So what are my favourite first lines? Gosh, there's so many I don't even know where to start. But I'll try and choose a few. And I'm a crime writer and I also love a good scary story. And I do read some romance and women's fiction, but not in the quantity that I devour crime or horror. So these are examples from books that I've read and some that I've written. The terror, which would not end for another 28 years, if it ever did end, began, so far as I know or can tell, with a boat made from a sheet of newspaper floating down a gutter swollen with rain. It, by Stephen King, is my all-time favourite story of his, and probably my all-time favourite book. I have read and reread it many times since I first bought a copy as a teenager. Why? Because I needed to know what this terror was that would last for such a long time. And what on earth did a paper boat have to do with it? The imagery of the boat rushing along the gutter in a heavy downpour is one that we can all picture with ease. And I think that such a simple image portrays the innocence of the characters of the book. And you just know that something dreadful beyond belief is about to happen. I was hooked from the start. I had to know even at the times when it was so horrible that I wish that I didn't, but I still carried on reading. Five figures formed a pentagram around the freshly dug mound. Only they knew it was a grave. This is from the fabulous Silent Scream by crime writer Angela Marsons. When I first read that line, I knew that I was hooked. I wanted to know who was in that grave and why they were in it. And I also wanted to find out who the five people were. So I was heavily invested in this story from those few brilliant words. Murder was like magic, he thought. The quickness of his hand always deceived the eye. And that was how it was going to stay. The Wire in the Blood by the amazing Val McDermid is one of those books I read years ago and it stayed with me. It starts by throwing the reader straight into the mind of the killers as he's about to take his next victim. Behavioural Science, the FBI section that deals with serial murder, is on the bottom floor of the Academy building at Quantico. I'm in, hands down, you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm here for this ride. Why? Because even if I didn't know which book it was from, I've long been fascinated with serial murder in the FBI. I live in a small town in Cumbria in England, thousands of miles away from Quantico. So reading this, I know that I'm going to be instantly transported to the FBI and I'm about to hunt down a serial killer. And not just any old serial killer. Oh no, I'm going to go along for the journey to track down the serial killer. Hannibal Lecter, the fictional serial killer of all serial killers. And in case you haven't read the book or watched the movie, then I'm talking about The Silence of the Lambs by Robert Harris. Thomas Harris? <laughs> Sorry. It was released back in 1988, two days before my 18th birthday. And one of the first books I bought myself with the money I got. It is still one of my favourites and a classic to this day. I've talked about some of my favourite writers, but what about my opening lines? Do they stand up to the test? Let me see. I couldn't for the life of me tell you any of them off the top of my head because there are so many. But here are a few of my favourites, now that I've jogged my memory. I never imagined recording podcasts would need so much research. I've literally had to go back through my books and choose a few. He watched and waited, playing his favourite guessing game. Who was going to die tonight? 
This is from Dying Breath, short and hopefully to the point. I started this story by leading my reader straight into my killer's mind and by letting them know that he was about to choose a victim imminently, hoping that they were interested enough to keep reading to find out who this killer was and why he was choosing his victims this way. Kate Parker pushed her sunglasses on the top of her head and stood with her hands on her slender hips, admiring the building in front of her. It was huge, old, a complete wreck and all hers. The scariest story I ever did write, the good sisters. I'm hopefully drawing my readers in because they also want to know who Kate Parker is and what she's going to do with this knackered old building. Now, if she had any sense and you've by chance read the good sisters, you would have had a friendly word in Kate's ear and told her to quit now while she was ahead. Take the lass and walk away before the shit really hits the fan. And she ends up living alone in the scariest haunted old convent around. Now, I loved writing this story when it was daylight, but as soon as the nights drew in and the sky got dark, it was a completely different matter. I was scared shitless and literally had to stop typing because I wrote this out in my garden summer house that was my office until it got filled with all the crap we didn't want to throw away. You know what I mean. I would be out there repeatedly looking over my shoulder at every single noise and the summer house isn't double glazed, so there was a lot of noise. Steve and the kids thought it was highly amusing taking it in turns to sneak out there and scare the crap out of me. I'm so amazed the neighbours never called the police. I was screaming so much. So I had to make a decision to only write this story when it was daylight, for the sake of my nerves and my sanity. If you enjoy a scary story, then this is a good one to check out. The sudden vibration of the ground beneath her head, followed by a thudding, scraping noise woke her. A shiver ran down the full length of her spine as she realised she was freezing cold. Not just cold as if she'd kicked the duvet off in the night. No, a blood-chilling coldness was seeping through her entire body. The girl in the grave, no prizes for guessing where my poor girl is, but hopefully it's drawn my reader in. They want to know if she's the one in the grave and whether or not she gets out alive. Spoiler alert, all I can say is it's not looking good, but you get the idea. So I asked some of my favourite best-selling authors about how they go about starting their stories and you are in for some fabulous advice that even I've taken note of to help me with future stories. The Amazon number one best-selling author Carol Weyer said, My advice is to write the first chapter and after you finish the book, go back and rewrite it so it is gripping. I always try to make it a jaw-dropping line or act as a teaser, but I am no expert and often rely on gripping first chapters rather than opening paragraph. An example from her book The Birthday, The children's screams lifted high in the air and pierced Elsa's eardrums, like knives slicing through her brain. The urge to strangle them, all of them, became overpowering. Bloody headache. It turned her into a demented witch. Another Amazon best-selling author, Casey Keller, told me, I always start my books with a prologue, so that the opening scene is right in the heart of my most dramatic part of the story. It really does hook the reader's attention and build intrigue. My last book, No Going Back, even had my editor emailing me to say how shook that prologue had left her. So I knew I was off to a great start. How amazing is that? Amazon best-selling author Graham Smith, who also writes as John Ryder, said, I think the opening line should grab readers by the throat and make them sit up and pay attention. Ideally, it should ask a question or questions, and that will hopefully make the reader keep on reading. And the wonderful best-selling author Suzanne Kelman told me, 
To figure out my hook, I often start with giving my character an outer pressure and an inner pressure. In my book, A View Across the Rooftops, the outer pressure was the war. The inner was my character was closed down emotionally because of a trauma in his past. Then I asked myself, what is the worst thing that I could have happened to this type of person? In rooftops, I had a Jewish young man the same age as the son he loved and lost, be forced into living with him and through the outer pressure have him put into the same kind of situation but years later. Will he make the same mistake again? I like to squeeze my character between those two pressures, but it always starts with a character, a weakness and what is the worst thing that could happen to that type of character. That is really, really powerful um, style of writing. So here you have it. Lots of wonderful ideas and advice on how to hook your readers from some truly amazing authors. I'll post the links to their Amazon pages in the show notes for you to check their books, which are fantastic, by the way, and it's not hard to see why they are all bestsellers. I hope this has inspired you to have a go at writing a great hook to get your story started. I know I'll be looking closely at my current work in progress to see how I can improve that after speaking to Carol, Casey, Graham and Suzanne. And thank you all very much for taking your time to speak to me. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope you have an amazing day. Thanks for listening and take care. If you'd like to check out my credentials to see if I know what I'm talking about, then head over to my Amazon page. And if you'd like to join a community of like-minded creatives, then head over to the Unleash Your Creative Magic Facebook group. I'll paste the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I honestly can't wait to speak to you in the next episode, where I'll dive into the process of how I wrote my first book. Until next time, take care.